Uh, luckily, because of what you do, you've been blessed to be able to travel a bit, and you know, you're, you, you and I are both foodaholics, uh, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm a foodaholic, which has some <clears throat> alcoholic tendencies that'll that'll lend to it that you don't have. But one thing that you, that I think that's really fascinating that you've incorporated into some aspects of your cooking, and it's just one facet of what you do, is is incorporating uh, uh, marijuana into into the chef world. How did that come about? Because I've seen I've seen you had some some I don't know if it was like marijuana dinners or or how that connects with with the chef world and your cooking. I, honestly, I'm fascinated by it. Uh, it's just a new thing. So I think we're on the cusp of some really cool stuff that's happening. It's uh, it's a very new thing. We're on the cusp. We're in a very unique time in history where we're at the end of an era of prohibition. And, you know, you say that and you hear that and you're like, oh, 1920s alcohol, like, no, like we're talking like 2020 marijuana and prohibition is slowly ending. A lot of those negative connotations that have been out there that have plagued the industry for decades are finally getting shed bright, nice light on. And I found myself a few years ago. Um, in a unique position of someone that had always understood the health and medicinal benefits of cannabis and also being from the world of fine dining. And so that intersection of a very technically sound cooking background, but also an understanding of the plant and the flower put me in a position to then do something very unique for the industry. And at the time when the only way you could really combine weed and food was like you saw, you know, whatever Joey, the 420 chef that didn't necessarily have any technical training, but loved weed and would just make <laughs> pot brownies or whatever yeah. it was. And that wasn't doing anything to further the industry or the cuisine or the understanding of it. So I was a free agent. I probably had just left the restaurant I was working at in LA and a friend of mine called me up and put me in touch with a guy, Ry Pritchard which if you've seen the judge of the show, Bong Appetit, um, he was like the, the cannabis the expert, Vice? the show from Vice, okay. where it's like a cannabis expert comes in with a chef and teaches the chef how to cook with cannabis. And he has like a pantry that's like magical and has everything you can I, think of I in it. I watched that episode of that and maybe it was just the episode that I saw, but I got a little turned off to it because I was like, it's a bunch of fucking, this, there was somebody who was so fucking high trying to describe the food that they were eating that I'm like, dude, that is not what you're fucking eating. So I guess there's like well, yeah, a fine there's... line and you are refined enough from that fine dining world to, I guess, make it approachable for for the non, like, you know, Spicoli uh, uh, stereotype that it, you don't you don't fit right. under that, you know? <laughs> exactly. And so my, my thing, you know, I did a dinner with him. He had a private client that wanted an infused meal, was looking for a chef to help do it. And so I started cooking with Ryan or with Rai and... We did a dinner. It went on Instagram. Then people started reaching out to me. Hey, do you do this? I started working with brands. I started getting to know farmers. And I started hosting pop-ups that were regular and then pop-ups that were infused. I went and did a series in Canada. But what's, what's um, the Traveling around between, Canada because they legalized. What's the difference ahead. between regular and infused for, for the people listening? Like a regular dinner, like a non-infused meal. Like oh, just God, a regular okay. tasting meal, a pop-up. And then I was doing infused um, pop-ups as well. Took me to Canada. I did a whole series up through Canada and uh, Vancouver and Winnipeg and Edmonton, um, traveling all around. And then coming back here, 
I started working with um, a group of people who were doing hash and were very big into hash. And I did a dinner for this company called Puffco, which I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it almost as like the Apple of the vaporizing world or the hash smoking world. (laughs) They took something that was very unapproachable that you needed a blowtorch for that was like all these weird glass pieces and nails and things that were like put people off to the idea of it and created this product that's an electronic vaporizer that's very sleek looking that does all of the work for you just like an iPod did for music. And so I find that the vaporizing of highly made, high quality, um, almost like the champagne of hash, using that to then pair with the meals and pair with each course is the future of cooking with cannabis because infusing uh, infusing doesn't necessarily work so well. It's hard to dose people. It's hard to microdose. It's hard to manage. Everybody has a different tolerance. You don't want to feel the effects of it two hours after dinner. You want to feel it right when you start eating it. And there's no real tasting notes a lot of times when you're dosing Mm -hmm. and you're infusing. Versus when you're smoking out of a Puffco or a vaporizer, you're tasting all of the rosin, all the resin, all the terpenes, all of these flavor compounds, just like you find in wine. Yeah. And so when you sip on a glass of wine or when you take a small hit of hash, you then have those same pairing effects with the food. And for me, food has always been and needs to be the number one priority. You rarely go to a dinner where wine is the number one priority and not to say that's not a thing, but it's usually the food and then the wine is like compliments it sings alongside of it and compliments it. And I think that needs to be the same approach when it comes to cooking and cannabis, where food always needs to be the story that's being told. And the cannabis is the supporting actor and the supporting roles that really kind of bring the experience together, brings everyone that's eating together kind of creates that memorable sort of, I guess, depending on who you are, unmemorable (laughs) sort of thing. But, you know, for me, I mean, I love it. I think, I think there's, there's a lot of future to be had with it. The legalities of it, depending on where you are often, you know, very complicated. And there's a lot of gray area right now. The more, the more hashish they have, the hungrier they are. So, you know, restaurants are going to keep doing well. Restaurants are going to keep doing well. I I mean, I know we'll see what it looks like in this post-COVID world because, you know, now smoking and blowing things around inside of a closed space isn't what it used to be. I didn't even think about Um, it. Oh, shoot. You know, so we'll we'll see. Yeah, I'm still (laughs) I'm I'm still optimistic um, of the future of dining and food and what's going to happen. And so, you know, I'm excited to get back to that. You can hot box and uh, private dinners. And that, I mean, right now it's still like, that's what's still happening. People are still doing it. People are still hosting these events. Yeah. Um, And they're all just small groups of people that are all in the same bubble or are still comfortable enough with each other. But one, I mean, that's great and all. One of my favorite things about the dinners that I were hosting where it would be strangers often coming together, sitting together. And you have a woman that's like 80 sitting next to maybe a guy who's 21 <laughs> and by the end of the meal they're best friends yes yeah. and like that's only through the power of food and through that communal dining and sharing this powerful plant that you know we all love and know 